Good Wednesday morning, everyone. This is Pastor Tony from my pastor's office. And today, being Wednesday, we'll stick with the tradition and look at the upcoming text for this Sunday. So let us begin with a word of prayer. This is the uh, prayer of the day for what we will be using this upcoming Sunday, where we will be transferring um, Mary, Mother of our Lord, uh, as it is August 15th, in place of our typical Sunday lectionary and colors. I'll talk about that in a minute, but let us pray. Almighty God, you chose the Virgin Mary to be the mother of your only son. Grant that we, who have been redeemed by his blood, may share with her in the glory of your eternal kingdom. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, this upcoming Sunday, we will be using um, the commemoration of Mary, Mother of Our Lord. Um, you know, Mary has certainly been a, an interesting figure within uh, Lutheranism, really from the Reformation onward. Um, you know, so-called Marian devotion or, uh, or Mariology and, and all these sorts of things, which are very prominent within the uh, Roman Catholic tradition, really took a back seat um, for reasons good and bad within the Lutheran tradition. So officially, what does the Lutheran Church believe? Well, the Lutheran Church recognizes Mary as the mother of God. Um, Luther certainly recognized this. Luther, in fact, um, had a uh, much more pronounced, probably, uh, Marian devotion as part of his life than, uh, than most contemporary Lutherans certainly do, um, partly based on his formation as, a, uh, as an Augustinian monk and priest, um, but also just a common understanding of, of Mary at the time. So essentially what you have is you have a, a church at the Reformation um, which uh, became the, the Reformation movement, the Lutheran tradition, and, uh, and started to separate itself from, from parts of the Catholic tradition. And some of the things that were believed about Mary at, at the time of the Reformation um, became, at least if they were not biblical, quite optional for Lutherans. And, uh, and other parts of those beliefs were strengthened as part of the Counter-Reformation. So Mary sort of became this dividing line in a lot of ways between, um, between these new Reformed Lutherans and, uh, and the Roman Catholic Church from, from whence we came. And it's pretty unfortunate that that's the case, um, just as it is whenever there is schism or, or breaking in the church that things that would be good and beneficial um, for all of us can either be put aside or, or perhaps even overemphasized in order to draw a contrast as opposed to make it the, uh, the most perfect form of worshiping God that we can. So as far as Lutheranism is concerned within the Book of Concord are where our confessional documents are found. There is recognition of Mary, her, uh, her motherhood of, of Jesus, our Lord. There is actually also even recognition of her perpetual virginity, although I'd certainly say Lutherans are not as, uh, not as keen on, on utilizing that aspect of, of belief in Mary for whatever reason, good and bad. Um, but certainly that is in there as well. There are other beliefs about her, certainly, that um, have become either optional or, or put to the side. Um, the so-called uh, sinlessness of Mary that we find in her Immaculate Conception. When you hear the term Immaculate Conception, that refers to Mary. Luther once talked about this being sort of a, a pious belief, maybe even a myth, uh, one that if you choose to believe it, that's fine. If you don't, that's also fine. There's nothing in the Bible that speaks to it. It's only tradition. And of course, there is also what happens to Mary at the end. So August 15th commemorates the day or moment of her death. Uh, her natural death and what happens after that is where we find the uh, 
the tradition breaking off into what's called the Assumption of Mary. Um, so within the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church, there's a belief that Mary died a natural death. She was warned about it uh, or told about it three days earlier by the angel Gabriel. All the apostles were gathered miraculously to Jerusalem to find that she was gone, she had died, and that she had been resurrected or assumed in body in some form uh, up to heaven, much like Moses and Elijah, as the tradition speaks to them. For Lutherans, we use the date of the 15th, although we did not celebrate it as the Assumption of Mary. Um, but then again, it's it's a part of tradition. It is not necessarily sacrilege to to believe something like that. It's just a uh, it's just another facet of Mary's life. But I think probably, you know, a lot of the traditional beliefs about um, about the Mother of Our Lord sometimes, um, not always, but sometimes can even overshadow um, maybe what is the truest part of her legacy, and that being that she was a selfless servant of God um, who was given a task as a very young and unmarried woman to, uh, to bear the Son of God, um, which would have been challenging and, uh, and thought-provoking in its own right. So, of course, she responded that she is the servant of the Lord and, and the Lord's will will be good with her. Um, there is also, I would say, this wonderful, wonderful song, speech, soliloquy that, that Mary offers found in the Gospel of Luke that we'll hear from just in a moment that is our Gospel reading for this Sunday, which is known by the name of the Magnificat. And uh, the Magnificat is, of course, this song of Mary that she responds with. And it begins... Luke chapter 1 at verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And this is the gospel of the Lord, and that is the Magnificat. So beautiful words from Mary in that song, recalling very much the songs we find uh, in the Old Testament, songs of Moses and Miriam, um, speaking to this tradition that uh, is, is so much more than tradition, this promise of God, that God will be there for God's people and God will order the world in a way that is just and right and in accordance with God's love for all of creation. And I think there's this connection we can make with, with Mary, certainly in her witness and in her life that goes way back to those uh, prophets and patriarchs and matriarchs of old, um, that she sort of continues in this line. And, you know, I think there's maybe even something to be said in comparison to Abraham um, or maybe to Sarah. You know, there's the famous story, of course, of the, uh, the sacrifice or the almost sacrifice that Abraham does not have to go through with Isaac. But of course, Mary, being the mother of our Lord, uh, witnesses and is, is a first person um, sort of recipient of that sacrifice of her own son, the Son of God, in, a, in Jesus on the cross. So there is just an absolutely rich history around Mary. Uh, don't let it scare you. Don't let anything stand in the way. Go ahead and, and 
you know, look into it, dig into it and see what is there for you. And we will look more at Mary on Sunday um, and look at her in light of what a wonderful servant of God she, she was and she is and she will be in the age to come. And so with that, we'll end here today. God bless and we'll see you Sunday.